podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. is Review for the Bridge, official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomoftheGiants.com. Today's Tuesday, the 31st of January, 2023. It's like the fifth Tuesday in January that never ends. Uh, my name is Patrick Smith. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, and on Twitter. You can also download us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, and all of your normal podcast providers. Uh, on this week's show, the Giants reach another Challenge Cup final. And once again, it's at the SSE Arena. And this is before two barnstorm performances led to four points over the Sheffield Steelers in what were arguably the games of the season so far. We'll get to those games shortly. Uh, Adam Keefe will join us to reflect upon them, and uh, we'll have a bit of news. We've got a bit of a decision to make on the uh, on the Player of the Month nominations, but we'll get to that. And, uh, and Guildford are back this weekend before we welcome our potential Challenge Cup final opponents in Fife. Mr. McJimsey, how are you doing? Paddy, I would be lying if I said I was 100%, but it's that time of year, mm-hmm. you know, it's the end of January, end of February, everybody's playing on a wee bit beat up, everybody's playing a wee bit hurt or a wee bit sick, and I'm I'm no different, so I'm just like the rest of us, we're all just hanging in there to the end of the season, so just go to bat for us every night, you know? Now, we also have, as people watching on YouTube may have seen, TV's Neil the Coach Russell, but as we started, now we were chatting before the show, and it was fine. And now we've come back, we've started into the show, we've added him in, and he can't hear us. So we're going to try to sort that out before we, uh, as, as the show goes on, maybe Coach will add himself back in. But, Davey, Coach is back for a show. Oh, it's great fun. Unfortunately, Joel couldn't be with us tonight. Um, yeah. <coughs> I'm not sure what he's doing either. Did he say what he's doing? Doing something anyway. He's off to a show at the Waterfront Hall, by the looks of it. I'm judging that from Twitter. So, um, something from couldn't Netflix. Make it we, were, we were going to do it tomorrow night, real, or last night. Really couldn't do it last night for reasons we don't need to go into. But, um, listen, um, I hope he's having a good night wherever he is. And uh, absolutely hyper to have Coach on as well. Can't wait to get once, once we're once once we're able to get him back in. Oh, hold on, he's just dropped himself out, so he's just reloading. But we'll cr- we'll crack on ahead by looking at the game against the Guildford Flames. Obviously, the Belfast mm. Giants were in Challenge Cup semi-final mode with a four-nil win. Sorry, four-nil lead over the Guildford Flames before this game took place. Now, it wasn't uh, the most straightforward of things for the Belfast Giants. It was a defeat on the night, three-two. It was to the Guildford Flames. I'll bring up the statistics. Uh, Klimek and Fredericks made it. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, they put the fear of God on the main with those two goals on the power play and shorthanded, mm-hmm. but the Giants were able to hit back. Uh, Mark Cooper and David Goodwin with an empty net. Iran Tate was the only other goal for the Guilford Flames. 6 3 on aggregate. Uh, the goalkeeper statistics Tom Perring, sorry, Tyler Beskarwani, Tom Perring, Tyler Beskarwani, 21 shots against, three goals against, and Ian McAdam, the other side, 28 shots against, one goal against. Uh, your referees were Tom Perring and Oliver Truswell. Uh, Davey, 
uh, they go for Flames kept us honest. Yes, that's one way of putting it. I thought they got off to a pretty fast start. Of course, it's, do you want to do you want to just pause there, Paddy? Can the coach hear us? Can you hear us, coach? Got you loud and clear, boys. Before Davey gets stuck into it, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Great to see the both of you. Great to be back on again, reliving uh, past glories. <laughs> got the old band back together. <laughs> we'll come to you in a second, Davey. We're, take off where you well, The Guildford Flames kept us honest. Yes, um, as just saying, the, the fast start of the game, of course, getting that early power play goal for them was crucial. That gave them, you know, we talk about it and we've talked about it for many years, how big momentum is in the game and it gave them the chance to go at us. And then we've obviously coughed up the shorthanded to make it 2-0 just midway through the hour, well, first half of the second period. At that stage, I think it was you, Paddy, said to put the fear of God into it. I wasn't too perturbed because we were still creating more chances, more grade A chances. Besco was doing well in nets. McAdams, a riddle that we haven't really solved that well, apart from last week in Guildford. Obviously, he's coming in this weekend. It's going to be difficult. I think the crucial thing was getting into that second period break with at that scoreline. Everybody settled down, and then we came out and we scored in the first shift of the game. Mark, or first shift of the third period, beg, beg your pardon. Mark Cooper coming up with a really great goal, and that settled everything down. And from there... There was an element of game management, but there's also, I think we created the better chances. Um, they've obviously then scored three Tate to make it 3-1, pull the goal, you know, throw everything at us for the last minute. We came up with the empty net goal. I thought across the six periods of the game, if you like, you know, we controlled five five periods of it. And we maybe had that first period where the Guilford Flames had to, as, as coach would often say, you know, they came out foot in the throat and really went at us. Um, showed what they've got. They've got a lot of speed. They've got uh, in Tarasco and Tate. They've got two of the very best players in the league there. And they've got really solid goaltending. Good good at the back there with Big Ben O'Connor, obviously, always in around the top of the, the, the charts in terms of his, his defensive work. So, you know, it was difficult for the Belfast Giants. There's the goal from Cooper that sort of seals the deal for us, for me. And uh, I thought it was a comfortable enough um, tie across the six legs. A lot, all the work was obviously done in Guildford, and then we we're able to manage the clock pretty well in, in the second half of the game in Belfast. Coach, you know Guildford have shown. I thought at times in this game, you know, Guildford shown why they were lead, why they're leading the league with regards to how difficult they are to. Davy mentioned David McAdam at the back a bit, a bit of a difficult riddle to solve. I will clarify my uh, fear of God. I mean, how many Challenge Cup semi final second legs we go into where I thought the one, the one in particular against the Nottingham Panthers where I thought ah, we should have this wrapped up and we don't. You know, it's so so when they go two up, did you have a worry? Yeah. Yeah, this was actually the one game I saw. Obviously, the double header. This is a one game that I um, that I missed last week, and uh, obviously caught up uh, caught up in the highlights. But I've seen plenty of Guildford over over the last lot of years since I've been in the elite league. Paul Dixon, I think, does a great job. I think it was last year, was it, that they probably had their first kind of difficult year in the elite league? And um, he does a he does an unbelievable job. Obviously, he's got a, a healthy budget to kind of work with there in terms of recruiting players, but has that. Uh, modus operandi doesn't he of like speed kills speed and skill and puts together a really good team I think uh, the Davies point over the course of the, the, the six periods the Giants kind of deserved to, to, to go through but I think there was definitely a few nervous jitters um, you know whenever whenever Guildford went up um, dur during the week there in, in that game but you know one thing that like, jumps out to me Paddy was looking at it earlier on um, a bit of a segue away from the Graham what a great poke check there from uh, from David Goodwin but the um uh, the crowds that that the Giants are bringing in here. I mean, that was a midweek game. Then obviously back to back Saturday so or Friday Saturday against the Sheffield Steelers. 
some unbelievable crowds that the Giants are bringing in now. And 5,100 in that game for a midweek game. Yeah, 6,000, I think, on Friday night and 6,500 on, on Saturday night. Just absolutely phenomenal. So Thorts and, and Glover and, and all the guys, like Laura, everyone behind the scenes there, just do an absolutely amazing job. But it's a great product on the ice. And, and again, kind of talks to the Belfast Giants and, and kind of the growth and the, the embedment within the community that, that the Giants have. But it's a, it's obviously a great spectacle to, to, to go and watch live. I think the Giants... You know, we'll go on to talk about um, the, the weekend the weekend against the Steelers and then looking down the second half of, of this season as we head down towards the stretch. But the Belfast Giants are just starting to truck now just at the right time. Obviously, some issues maybe at the start of the season, just not playing as well as as maybe Kiefer and Thorch would have uh, would have wanted. But you start to just see a few tweaks here to the roster and a few players coming to the fore. Um, I think it's going to be a very exciting second half of the season for all Belfast Giants fans. Of course, Davey, this now leads us into what is another Challenge Cup final and for the second season in a row, another one hosted at the SSE Arena, which you know, is crucial. Well, we've won, we've won it at home, we've lost it at home, so we'll not yeah. just count our check-ins on it being a, a banker because it's a home fixture. Obviously, the, the, the crowds that the coaches obviously mentioned are can be of a great advantage so um you know the, the cry will go out to fill the barn whenever we know who the uh, the opponents are and i'm sure whoever is matching up against us i'll be looking to bring a crowd with them as well you might even get the odd neutral over into the corner there and block four but you know it's it's got to be an advantage and whilst this competition needs restructured i kind of like that they brought the they they kind of made some of the dead rubbers in the group stages count because the belfast giants had to go through that group stage unbeaten to come out as the number one seed you know if, if we'd have thrown 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 a couple of those dead rubbers away at the end there and and perhaps lost a couple of games and you're, you're coming out second or you're getting a wild card and then you're you're chasing the whole time and you're not getting the home final so whilst we all recognize that there's probably things that could be done better with the challenge cup certainly for me finished by like halloween christmas at the latest would be you know it should be the pre-season opener for me but you know we could coach i'll have his, his thoughts on that but we can go on debate on that another time but you know it's great to host it at home. Looking forward to it. We'll find out our our, our opponents soon. And, uh, you know, a cup final is a cup final. And we're all here about hanging banners. So let's get at it, you know. Well, I'm just going to stick on that on on that sort of topic, Coach, because obviously in your role as the general manager of the Manchester Storm, you've sat at that board table in the Elite League. Why, from their point of view, isn't it the case that we have it as a pre-season come finished by Christmas, finished by Halloween tournament? Paddy used to be brought up all the time, probably by myself. I'll not maybe name names. I don't want to throw some, some of the names. Yeah, some of the GMs, back owners under the table. But um, there were certainly two or three of us around the table. I remember at the time that were very much in favour of exactly what Davies just articulated there. Almost that pre-season fit. I I've all, always said as well, and I I remember bringing it up on one occasion. For me, I wouldn't start the season until latter part of September, early part of October. Almost once you get into the winter months, I think it's very difficult to sell tickets. Generally speaking, in the latter part of August, early part of September, families are still away on holidays. Month of September is an expensive one as well. People are families are paying off their holidays from the summer. The kids are back to school, school uniforms, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I just think hockey is a winter sport, and people associate the cold, dark winter nights with going to the SSE or going to hockey wherever it may well be, the Storm Shelter, uh, Sheffield Arena, Nottingham Arena, wherever it may well be, people associate it. And I would have, uh, I, I was always in favour of kind of pushing the season back. The Challenge Cup 
was always the one that just used to. I, I tell you what, I can tell you this categorically as well from from the players' point of view. Certainly in my time um, in Manchester, players absolutely hated the structure, the format of of the competition. They felt that it made no sense whatsoever. There were big gaps um, between you know certain stages to the latter stages, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It just made no sense to to people. Whereas I, I agree entirely with Davey. For me, it would be a kick off the season, almost bang, 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 the whole way through and have it done and dusted by Halloween, early part of December um, for, for, for me. But there was never a real appetite. And, you know, I suppose the, you know, make it make sense to me comment was probably made on a couple of occasions. It just was n- never really had much of an appetite to kind of to change it, um, if the truth be told. And you go, you're going back a few years now, you're going back, whatever seven or eight years since since I last sat on I sat on the board with, with Manchester. But yeah, I, I was all in favour of, of changing it up. Didn't like the format at all. It's one of those. I think it's one of those that the, the fans will always talk about. But, you know, I guess there'll be organisations that think if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Where We've got the point now where, you know, Belfast Giants are going to yet another Challenge Cup final. You know, it's, it's sort of working for us. And you're absolutely right. You look at the crowds now coming into the winter and the building the crowds. No doubt that whenever this game is, and I think we're looking again possibly at mid-March, but whenever this final is, no doubt hopefully we'll get another large crowd at the SSE. What's the, score in, this... the, um, what's the score in the other leg? Is it Pfeiffer oh, up against Sheffield? Is that right? Pfeiffer 3-2 three, three, up. Yeah, they are. And that game's on that second is on the third of February. No, when's that? When's that second leg? Tomorrow night? Yeah, Wednesday probably. night. But I haven't, Wednesday seen, night. I haven't seen too much. I've seen other stuff coming out of Sheffield today, but haven't yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come on to that. The uh, but it's uh, yeah, we've got the uh, it'll be the Sheffield or five five obviously leading in that. This will be big. So big thanks and a happy birthday to Mark Brooks. The, his statistic: this will be the eighth final to take place. At the SSE, or sorry, well, this eighth final to take place in Belfast, not necessarily at the SSE Arena, um, and obviously not necessarily involved in the Belfast Giants either. Um, Remember the first one, that. vividly, boys. Air, Air Scottish Eagles against the Sheffield Steelers in uh, two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. A good day, a good day. Right, highlights from that game. Our friends at Giants TV, and let's crack on to the weekend. It was a doubleheader at home against the Sheffield Steelers, but we all thought would be a pretty much a crucial weekend leading to where this season was going to end up. And the first game was a successful one for the Belfast Giants. A 5-3 win if you're a Belfast Giants. Goals come from Hook, a hat-trick from Conway, and an absolute stunner of a game-winning goal from Ben Lake. Uh, Sheffield Steelers' goals come from Christo, Scott Allen, and returning... Um, it was announced that morning, returning to the Sheffield Steelers on the power play, Mark Olivier Valeran. Uh, we'll come to him as well. Um, with regards to statistics in goal, that's a brilliant life stats. Jackson Whistle, 28 shots against, three goals against. The other side, Matthew Greenfield, 57 shots against, five goals against. And Daltz and the best referee from the Northeast, his mum told me that, Steve Brown, were your referees. Um, <coughs> Coach, start with you. This was a game full of aggression ability the whole weekend. As part, it was set up the whole weekend. Just fabulous hockey. Listen, both both games will come on to the Saturday night in, in a minute. But the Friday night, I thought, was absolutely superb game of hockey. thought Belfast Giants were were, were excellent throughout. Uh, Sheffield obviously came in, uh, came into the game. Kind of the second period started to kind of really put the Giants under pressure, showed their quality, et cetera, et cetera. But 
I think whenever you look at um, you know big games, you're looking big performances from your big players. And there's, you know, I know I've bit of a fanboy on the likes of Mark Cooper, but Scott Conway is is absolutely top drawer, arguably the best player in the league. Um, and you know, comes up clutch, doesn't he, in, in big big moments for the Belfast Giants. And it's it's why he's probably a num- number one to get uh, signed up for for Thorts and and Kiefer every single summer. So I'm sure that'll be no different again th- this summer coming up. But um, the top performance, I think you made reference to the, the Ben Lake's goal there as well. One of the best goals that I've seen actually in in the recent past. I mean, the skill set on that um, was absolutely immense. Thought the the Giants, as you can see here, just zipping the puck around a bit on the on, on the uh, power play, but just zipping the puck around beautifully. Guys crashing the net, never too far away from the action there. Mark Cooper, I know it was a Conway goal, but Cooper does so much, like uh, the, the little intangibles that I absolutely love in a hockey player. Mark Cooper is right at the epicenter of it uh, on all occasions, making a hassle of himself in, in front of the goal, screening goaltenders, putting D-men under pressure, taking the attention away from, from the puck. And uh, he does an absolutely fantastic job. There he is there, look. Like always there, blue paint. Take the eyes. It takes boys. I've said it for <laughs> two decades now. It, 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 hockey is a simple game, um, and when it, but it requires somebody or players willing to take the hit to make the plays. And Mark Cooper is one of those players that's not afraid to get into the dirty areas, take cross checks in the back of the the back of the neck, all for the good of the team and to create that space and opportunity for his team. Um, you know, we'll maybe go on to, to talk about that adulation from from Mark Cooper later on. But um, no, I thought the Giants were absolutely superb. You see the way the the boys kind of zipping the puck around there. That's a team, that's a team playing with confidence. And you know, whenever a team is zipping the puck around like that, Sheffield Steelers are are twirling on their ankles, um, trying to find the puck. It's it's top drawer hockey to watch. Absolutely love watching both both the games, um, for different reasons actually. Um, Saturday night was a lot a lot. Tighter, obviously, this one was more free-flowing uh, in many ways. But uh, look where Mark Cooper is again there, boys. Can I just point out? Uh, again, making a nuisance of himself always. So, yeah, great. Superb game. The, David, the, um, the games that took place in Sheffield, the doubleheader we had in Sheffield, the points were split and the, the Giants and, uh, and the Steelers having their own nights. What gave the Giants the edge this weekend, and particularly in this game? A little bit of grit. If, if, this is the, the Ben Nick goal here, and I don't know if anybody was watching just before that. Gabe Bass had stepped into the play, and, and you know, Ben Nick had gone third man high. He's broke up an attacking play for the Sheffield Steelers. He's won the puck back. He's made the breakout, and then he's gone and posted up there uh, and with a great redirect shot. Ben Lake's probably involved in that goal three or four times. And it's it's simple to say what a great goal by Ben Lake, but his, his overall contribution to that previous 20 seconds was stopping a goal the other end being the first outlet pass being the second man in the offensive zone you know he did everything on that play and i think we got a lot of buy-in you know you hear the likes of keeper and stuff when they're getting interviewed saying about everybody pulling on the rope that night and i think we just got that performance where we didn't want to be beaten five on five i thought were really strong that first period we came out and we fired something like 20 shots at greenfield and he was seeing them all you know and then whenever you've got the likes of cooper going in in front of him and he can't see it, he can't save it. And it's the same as the Conway to Goodwin to Conway. You know, get a, get the puck across that Royal Road, get the goalie moving left to right, get the goalie frozen, and you'll score goals. And that's what we did. We just, at times, we outworked the Sheffield Steelers. And then 
when you outwork them, the ability and the, the skill levels, you know, work out the better skilled players come to the game. And I think I text, I don't know if it was it was you and coach or you and says whatever group. I know, I know it's not a massive call to make on a on a Friday afternoon. I says Scott Conway is going to be man of the match both games today. He's been playing. He's been didn't he? He's gonna. He he's gonna. Yes, he he's been playing really really well. But cometh they are, cometh the man, and it's not massive to say Scott Conway is going to be good this weekend because he's been good all season. But big games, Scott Conway has the ability to rise even to another level. Scored a hat trick, gets the game winning goal on Saturday night. He, he, you talk about being being next two way game, same as Scott Conway, hitting numbers are outstanding, blocking shots that you don't necessarily want the Scott Conway doing, but he does it. He's tough as take. He's you know some people say about being sneaky tough, but he's not. He's he's overtly tough now. He goes in. He's getting roughing calls. He's getting interference calls. He's getting in and mixing up every breakdown. He's chirping as you know he loves to do. But he, he, I can't see that weakness that doesn't make him the end. Coach talks about arguably the league's MVP. For me, he is the league's MVP. Argue somebody else. Put another name in the hat there. And we've seen someone Sanford. discussing Cole, Cole Sanford the other day. Speed merchant, absolutely brilliant. Love him in Belfast. Would I swap him for Scott Conway? So there's a the question. Not. Absolutely not. Um, Tedesco in um, Guildford. Again, another great player. Would I swap him for Scott Conway? No. So all these players that you're talking about being league MVPs, you then got to say, right, okay, you can have them in Belfast, but you've got to give them Scott Conway. And I don't think there's a player in this league I would swap at the minute for Scott Conway ever. Actually, and uh, and uh, of course, when he scored that goal down the uh, the Sheffield Steelers end, he turned straight to the Sheffield Steelers fans, arms out, calls them in an element of his game that I absolutely love. Let's have a yeah. look. Sorry, but if, if we if we go back to the game, sorry. The, the board anybody we came out to that really good start got that two nil and five on five I say we control this game five on five the refs made and you can you can, questionable calls you heard the the, the commentary about it a light Sheffield that foothold back into the game they make it three two they make it three each and then it's you know it's Belfast Giants poured on at that stage it wasn't like right we've got a point here let's take it to overtime on Friday night we went for it we got that fourth goal obviously we've got a a, a power play ourselves Mark Cooper again coach drives down the left wing, gets that body. I love that play where a player can, I'm doing it on TV here, where a player can get his uh, his body across and force the D-man where he hasn't got a play other than the trip and he takes him down, he goes into Greenfield, we get the power play goal and then you know we go on and, and, and win the game 5-3. Um, I just thought it was a really strong performance and I think Aaron Fox tipped his cap afterwards and said, you know, the best team won on the night. I think as well. Yeah, no, I think from my side of things, just build off what Davy said there as well. Sometimes I think, and this is probably my old school hat on. I know the three of us are kind of old school and been around the block with with, with this sport and obviously the the team over the years. But I think in the recent past, we've probably you and I have stood over the last few years, had at different stages and in the storm shelter and haven't been happy about pushback and showing a bit of you know the old school toughness. And I, the game has obviously changed and all the rest. But we saw a bit of that, didn't we, on on uh, on Friday night as well. That that pushback um, from, from from the Belfast Giants and and willing to kind of you know step up to the plate, drop the drop the gloves, and kind of show you know what we're here for this double header. We're here. We're on the march. We're heading towards you know the latter part of the the, the season, the real business end. And you, you know we saw a really good slick on ice performance, but then we saw the toughness coming in there as well. 
let's have a look at what just what you're talking about towards the end of the game with the, with the, with the game more or less done and dusted with seconds left there was a bit of an altercation which had its ramifications for the next night it's an important play here tonight there's a little bit of opposite that's far side Keith Boston and Knight jumping in there is they need to be careful Keith Boston's on the sure, yeah, this is yeah. McNally McNally should be thrown out of the game is that him missing tomorrow night I don't know, but it's in the last two minutes, yeah, right? It is. Last two minutes, and Gabe Bass doesn't even have his gloves off. No. So McNally should be thrown out here, and there's a bit of Ben Lake and Petgrave. Ben Lake feeding Petgrave right. Petgrave is back there right, and Lake kicks him down. There's a little bit of office here now as well, with Brandon yeah. Wesselin. Sam Ruyop, Ben Lake, heads down the tunnel, the applause from his teammates, and Matt Petgrave heads down his tunnel. A player who is deemed to be instigator slash aggressor of an altercation in the final five minutes of regulation time or at any time in overtime shall be suspended one additional game pending review of the incident. That was the determination of the Department of Player Safety on uh, on Brandon McNally and therefore with his two-minute minor, five-minute major and 20-minute game misconduct, he was suspended for the following night. But Davies coach said the sort of the aggression, sort of the pushback, that was also partially the Steelers trying to set out their stall that they weren't going to be bullied leading into the game on Saturday. Yeah, um, obviously the coach had made a decision that McNally wasn't playing and sent them out to, to, to send that message. Going picking Gabe Bast isn't the smartest idea. You know, Basti's not going to drop gloves with him there. And you got like people like, uh, you know, Sam Rupp and, and Ben, they come from another postcode to back their teammates up, which is absolutely, <laughs> you love this, absolutely love to see that. So, you know, from a, a team perspective, a, a bit of a pushback on whether uh, Rupert was third man in, but I don't feel that was the case. Um, he was thrown out of the game for third man in, however, according to the rule book, you can't be third man in the another case, and that's getting a game misconduct, so he shouldn't have been thrown out of the game. But, however, Ben Lake fights any secondary fight, uh, one that's already taken place, also comes with a game misconduct, so um, no, no secondary suspension for them. It's, it's fairly clear you fight in the last five minutes of the game, you're getting a one game, so you know, Fox sent him out there. I can't imagine that Gabe Bast is really the the one guy you'd want to be going after in the team. You know, it sort of seems to me like Sam Roop would wind people up more, Ben Lake perhaps would wind people up more. So it was a bit of a cheap shot one for for me. Maybe they just grabbed the first guy that he could when he got off the bench. But yeah, love try to send a message. Did it work? It's hard to know. Um, well, Gabe Bast. Gabe Bass is our most offensive defenseman. No, he's putting up points. Him, him and, and Will Cullen would be of a of a similar standard in, in terms of and Josh Roach is obviously very offensively gifted as well. So the three of them, but you know, other than what what's the payoff in the last five minutes for fighting there? You know, oh. where we're five three up, the game was dead and buried. It can only be to send the message, and in, in that case, Dops have came up with the right the right call with the, the suspension. So it's clear in the in the case book, but um in terms of uh, i know you've had your bugbear about it patty that you know they they still play with a full roster the the, the following yeah day. i don't well we, we had this conversation i know that it was brought up as the fact that under the new rules which have been in for a couple of seasons now within the the elite league what used to happen was if a, an import was suspended then you were not you're not allowed to replace them with another import that's been taken away and therefore the sheffield steelers didn't lose any sort of capability from the imports on the bench because they're one of the they're one of the more successful teams, one of the more affluent teams like ourselves, and are able to put a 
another import into that slot just to fill where McNally has been suspended from. Now, ultimately, you know, if this was a, if this was a league that was full of financial parity, and I'm not going to go down the the, the line that we've had <laughs> arguments before, coach, you can see the smirk in your face. But this is, I think, this is a different matter. If this was financial parity and every team was able to carry an import then I would understand the rules being this way. But you can't dictate the rules this way when it's not like that. I think it it, it does impede the likes of the of the Manchester and Fife. You know, if you're not able, coach, to carry that extra import financially, then then the elite league are ruling through their own dictation against you. Totally and utterly agree, Randall. We had this on, on our WhatsApp group last night, 100% in agreeance. Um, it definitely favours the big boys and that in this instance is is not right it's not fair um so i'm i'm, I'm totally in agreement with you um on on that front the davies point mcnally sent sent out there by fox knowing damn rightly that he's got a replacement lined up for for the following night not an issue whatsoever god knows might be sent out to do a bit of damage i wouldn't think aaron fox or any coach would be doing that in modern day and um, stuff but you just never know eh, what 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 comes of it but it's um yeah, it, it's a rule that I just don't like and I don't understand either, to be honest. It's the, Let, the if they've got that rule where you, you go and fight in the last five minutes of the game, you're getting suspended, there's a penalty. But the Steelers, as, a, as an organisation, if you like, and it mm-hmm. goes for any team, goes the discussion goes across the board. Um, there's no penalty. You know, they've, they've lost, there was 10 seconds left in the game. They've lost a player for 10 seconds. And all the penalties actually ended up balanced might probably, or we maybe came off with a very 10-second power play. Um, the next night, now, I know in the case book that it says about the, the coach can get fined or whatever, but fine, mind what, you know, what's a fine to Iron Fox, 200 pound or whatever, for, for sending the player out in the last five minutes to fight. So the Steelers effectively have been allowed to go. So it, it ultimately didn't affect the Giants, and I think they're professional enough not to get involved in that. You, you can see the way fighting is in the game. There was no score settled on Saturday night. There was nobody like from the Giants looking to the go from the first face off or anything like you'd have got 10, 12 years ago, whatever. And uh, you know, so that that I, I don't really see what the point what what Fox was doing, other than possibly to G his own players up and say, lads, this has been not good, good enough from us. I, I know Tony Smith in the statement, and we'll come on to it about them being second best and beat into the corners. They were just second best, and that doesn't necessarily come down to their effort levels. It comes down to the compete level of the Belfast Giants being better on that night. And sometimes your best isn't as good as the best of the other team. And we just had a very strong performance from Belfast on Friday night. Let's um, hear the thoughts of two coaches before we move on to Saturday's game. Yeah, I mean, these, uh, every game from here on out for both teams is going to be massive. Um, but there was obviously a little buzz about this one here. Um, you, you could feel that from morning skate on. I thought it was a playoff atmosphere. Both teams, I thought, played well. Um, you know, would have liked to see a little less special teams in that game just to see it played out five on five. But uh, I think both teams ended up with two power play goals and. Um, so it was obviously a factor in the game, but I thought it was a great game, uh, start to finish. A lot of things, uh, a lot of, a lot of entertaining, uh, pieces to that game. Yeah. I mean, game management there last five, six minutes has, has got to be a little bit better. Um, you know, we go South ends up back below our goal line and then, uh, we got two forwards that are our first guys back. So we get out of coverage a little bit and leave the weak side po- point open, and then we just don't take care of the net front there. Um, you got to find bodies and sticks, and, and we didn't there. And, you know, loved our battle back. Um, 
you know, down to nothing after the first period. You know, a very good two-way physical hockey game. I thought, you know, both goalies made some key saves at times throughout that game as well. And like you said, entertaining. I, I can't fault our compete, you know, our, our, our compete level, our work ethic was was there tonight. Um, still got a, some details in our game that we, we need to clean up defensively. And, you know, they cost us tonight. from Belfast Giants TV and we move on to Saturday's game between these two sides 6,517 people phenomenal crowd at the SSE arena watched the nil-nil hockey game mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, nil-nil after overtime the uh, the Belfast Giants winning in a shootout Scott Conway credited with the game winning goal on that Tyler Beskarowani 29 shots against no goals against and Matthew Greenfield 30 shots against no goals against Pava Hallis and the best referee from the Northeast, as his mum tells me Steve Brown for your referees um, stat question, Davey. Shutouts, one to the yes. both. One, each. one for each. Yep, one for each. So that's just yep. they both awarded with a shutout, regardless of the outcome. Both awarded with a shutout, uh, but there is a game-winning goal, which goes to the winning shootout penalty shot, which was Scott Conway on the night. Which is Scott Conway. Well, stay with you. Uh, like uh, you mentioned, the fact that we've had a number of nil-nils all seem to be against the Sheffield Steelers. <laughs> I remember, I remember one in Sheffield. The guts mm-hmm. of ten years ago, uh, mm-hmm. that one wouldn't be that long. But the uh, this is remarkable because it was one of the most entertaining nil nil games of hockey I've ever seen. Funny, I, I was looking to, because someone had asked me the stat. I didn't know if it off the top of my head, and I went and looked at it. And yes, we've had four four nil nil t- draws. That three have went the overtime penalty shots. Three of which we've won. One ended in a tie back in the day, back in Super League days, whenever you were allowed to finish tie. Um, all against the Sheffield Steelers. This was the first one at the SSE Odyssey. Um, I was just thinking about it, it earlier because the three of us actually did the podcast after the one in Sheffield. It's 2014-2015. Uh, it was a Steve Thornton season um, when Steve was back coaching. Just mm. I think it was the season after Paul Eady had left. And it was a real... I, I remember talking about it on the podcast, about it being such an entertaining game of hockey because it was a game of chess. It was tactically from both coaches from the playing staff on the ice was superb um obviously in nil nil goaltending is is key and greenfield and besco both you know put on a clinic on the night and you know this is pretty much just the highlights from overtime and some of the saves that besco made he had no right making but you know the, the same can go for for greenfield at times you know in these real tight games it's about getting that first goal and, and neither team was willing to give it up and thought it was just a really really good game of hockey i love these real both teams came out more physical there's high skill there's speed letal was still going after 65 minutes there you know you think good one you think or he's getting a breakaway and he's able to come back and you say the same about our own ben lake will cullen makes an unbelievable back check the diving you know with a stick that they have a two on oh breakaway and he's able to gas himself back and, and it's not this one i don't think um but this is where where besco comes up with like a triple save and as I said on, on Twitter the other day, it's 3,000 save in, in tail after, you know, whatever, 180 games or whatever. So he's been superb for us. And, you know, I think from his own perspective, coming back, he's been chat about, you know, he would maybe take a few weeks to get going. You know, that looked like mid-season form for Besco there. He's had a couple of goals that I'm sure he would like back that he's, you know, on, on video over the last couple of weeks in the games he's played. But that was really, really strong. And then you go into the... um you go on, even even to be fair, if we go back to the Guildford game, like that that goal that they had on the breakaway, the short-handed, the guy goes to make a move and it bobbles off a stick and Besco plays the move 
and at five holes, and it's like just very, very unlucky. So it's, it's been there, he really, really strong performance, like what I've seen, and you know, and then we'll go on to, to get the opportunities and, and penalty shots and tuck two away. This might be the Will Cullen one, we'll let, let that play. It is. He yeah. comes back and makes a really good play, you know, and they're away the races there, and that's that could be game over. So, you know, guys that keep going to the 65th minute saying a lot for our conditioning as well, because these have been hard games and we were right there to the very, 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 very end. I think as well, Pat, sorry, sorry, Patty, just, uh, just on the on the best school front, I think like I certainly speak for myself whenever it was announced that he was he was coming back. I think well, I certainly was surprised, shocked, but he had obviously said he was hanging up the skates and all the rest. I think, my goodness, difficult for a goaltender having not played in whatever it would have been eight months. Um, hadn't I don't know if he was playing any men's men's yeah, league around rack every week. Okay, okay. So he, he was keeping his uh, his eye in, so to speak. But to step up uh, back into the elite league, um, having not played any kind of professional hockey, whatever you're thinking, it's going to be a big. Uh, adjustment again for him and maybe to Davy's point a couple of you know goals that he's conceded since he's been back that he maybe would have wanted he's maybe thinking to himself would be very easy as a player um who had already retired to think oh if I made the right decision or not should have should have just stuck with um just stuck with retirement what am I what am I doing but the likes of that game and that performance will honestly put you know put the fear of God into opposing coaches and players all throughout the elite league because when Tyler Besco Wani plays like that and is in that form and has a level of confidence, Belfast Giants are an incredibly difficult opposition to to de- defeat. Yeah, I thought he was absolutely superb. And that triple save in overtime was just out of this world good. One thing about that game, coach, as well, is the fact that you take about the just the game of two halves, I guess. The first 20, 30 minutes, you know, the Belfast Giants were peppering Greenfield's net. They were on top. Mm-hmm. They were they were playing remarkable hockey and really putting Sheffield under the cosh. But then as the game grew longer, the Sheffield Steelers grew stronger and stronger, but the Giants had to put up that sort of rear guard defense that we'd seen from the Sheffield Steelers in the first half of the game. Is that for me? Sorry, I oh, thought. Yes. Was, oh, okay. Yes, yeah. No, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, listen, Sheff- Sheffield are are a very, very good side. Their record speaks for itself. I know Guildford and, and Guildford are leading the way with Cardiff just behind Sheffield. Obviously, chasing everyone down along with Belfast. Sheffield are a top side, well coached by by Aaron Fox um, uh, as well. They, they're always going to come in. The games are always going to be difficult to beat um, home or away. Um, and, you know, we, we saw it there and they, we'll probably go on to talk about it, you know, the owner's comments and, and so on and so forth. After this weekend, Tony Smith's comments, you know, Sheffield are hunting down a league title. We know what Sheffield are like and have been over the years. I mean, was it Jared Adams that was a winning league winning coach and he was he was sacked, I think, to bring Paul Thompson in and what have you? He was. That's, that's a club that's kind of run very ruthlessly in, in many ways. Um, success is is what the Sheffield Steelers are built on. and They don't accept mediocrity, which in many ways I admire um, as, a, as a sporting club and one that is always super aspirational. Um, so the pressure will be on. Um, Aaron Fox on the back of that, you know, um, overly kind of reasonably per weekend for them, only taking away one point. Um, for, from the entire weekend, so the the pressure will be on. We've, we've seen that in the comments that have come out in the last kind of twelve hours. 
We'll come back to those comments when we're coming to the news because I know we've got Adam Keith waiting in the wings to have a chat with us. But ultimately, Davey, from the two performances this weekend and the way that the, the giant, well, over the week, but the, the, especially this weekend against the Sheffield Steelers and the way that this game on Saturday went, it was one of those games, it was one of those weekends where people had circled and, and the Giants have come out with four points. Can't ask any more than that. I'm sure that the coach will, you know, he's probably particularly hard on him on himself. And at times, he'll probably wish that they hadn't give that point away as well. Um, but you know that that second night that what the game against Guildford, which was you know Guildford came and played hard. We then had the very physical game on Friday night, and you're you've got to be tired. You know these guys are they're, they're only human; they're not machines. And come some or come Saturday night late in the game, you know it's going to be tiring. And there was a lot of. Just let's get it, get get the the puck in our defensive zone. Let's get it up and out. Get it in the neutral zone. Get it down into their blue zone and uh, and and reset. Get line changes. I thought we were very disciplined when it came to line changes. Coach knows it's something I love watching. Getting boys on and off. Get them on, do their job. Get them off. And uh, you know, one one thing that kind of annoyed me, I suppose, from Saturday was uh, was Gary getting hurt. Them obviously don't know yeah. what the, the status on him is, but you know, he's been. Um, a bit further down the depth of late because you know we're, we're carrying those six import D and 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 there's not as we've got a lot of depth in the forwards as well so you know hasn't been playing as many minutes as he has in previous season but you know he, he comes in there and he does a real simple job and and does pretty well so hopefully Gary's not too badly hurt but I just think that you know I'll, I'll look forward to asking Adam the question about rest I think at this stage of the season it's just get rest and recuperation as much as you can because you know, I'm not going to say the Giants look tired because, as I just said a couple of minutes ago, there I thought we'd done really, really well going to the 65th minute and beyond, and on the third night and what was like five nights of hockey. So, um, I don't know what I'm waffling on about here, really, Paddy. <laughs> <laughs> the performance, maybe, but I agree. Performance, the performance yeah, for, overall was just, yeah, you, you I mean, exactly what deep. we wanted from this weekend. To yeah. dig deep, to dig deep, the way in which the Giants did on that third game in the space of whatever it was, four days, five days was very, very impressive. And as I said earlier on, taking it, taking it forward, that type of momentum, energy in the building just can ramp up the players, Adam, Steve, the whole organization for heading down the stretch. We're gonna we're gonna move it on because we know we've got Adam Keith. We appreciate him waiting in the wings for so long. I knew that when Coach came on, we'd be rattling on for quite a while. It's gonna <laughs> strap in. It's a three-hour show. The <laughs> the uh, we're gonna highlights from the games as the highlights from the whole weekend are uh, available from our good friends at Belfast Giants TV. And given them, is they are of course the ones who support us on the fan agenda. And we are delighted to be uh, delighted to welcome back to a views in the grade, which we were just talking about him, the head coach of Belfast Giants, Adam Keefe. How are you doing, coach? Not bad, guys. How's it going? Yeah, Keefe. Doing very well. Give us your uh, reflection. You've just, you know, I'm sure you were listening in there. Give us your reflections on how happy you were with how the weekend went. Yeah, can't complain. Um, but you were right. I <laughs> uh, would have liked the regulation win. Um, but obviously, no, it was a great weekend. Guys were great all weekend. You know, that's one of the things that, as a coach, you you want to know, especially coming into the big games, that you're you're the best version of your team is going to show up, and we're starting to show that. You know, like that you come into that game on last Wednesday, not this past Wednesday, but the Wednesday before that in Guilford, hoping that we're going to have our best performance, and I thought we did. I obviously, built ourselves a four nil lead in that that first leg of the cup. That ultimately saw us through the second leg, um, and then you you go up, uh, you know, on the you know, the the fifth and the sixth game of 
uh, a two-week span there against Sheffield. You're not sure if you're going to have your best, but certainly on Friday, our execution was great and, and we saw the best of our team there. Interestingly as well, I think over the last number of weeks, we've had quite a few sort of three games in four days, certainly Friday, Saturdays with the with the Challenge Cups uh, semifinals thrown in. So the games will be coming thick and fast. And, and Davey spoke there about conditioning. What we saw from that game on Saturday was that the guys were able to hold it for that 65 minutes. Yeah, you'd like to think by this point in the season that guys are in shape, and in game shape at least. Um, but, I mean, fatigue certainly plays a factor. And I think the times that we've had a full week to prepare and, and come in, you know, like majority of our games bar that Manchester weekend, um, when we've had time to prepare and, and recover, we've been pretty good. It's usually the second night that causes us problems or – or the third and fourth game of a week or something like that where we are fatiguing. And, uh, you know, that's when the execution goes, and that's when we struggle to score goals. So, I mean, I think you saw a little bit of that Saturday night in Sheffield. Our execution wasn't quite on, but we were still playing well. Guys were still competing very hard. Um, our finish wasn't quite there. Coach, you've been in post-game interviews probably since, I'm going to say, mid-December, referencing now and again about always been tired and it kind of feeds off what Paddy's saying there and what we're talking I don't know if you heard us talking a few minutes ago how important is rest over almost playing training playing training how important is it just to get days off yeah I think it's, it's very important I mean that's one thing that I focused on since I started to coach I think that it comes from from playing and making sure that guys have full energy for the weekend I mean ultimately we want to see a rambunctious group that, that's going out there full of life and full of energy and intensity. Um, if they're fatigued from the training or they're fatigued from the week, that's you, you maybe sometimes don't get the best of everybody. So it's, it's a very tough job to find that, that balance between training hard enough to keep our pace very high for the game, but not so, so hard that uh, they're sore come time to play the game. So, um, it is a, a tough balance that we're still trying to find. You never get it right all the time, um, you know, but not just physically, I think mentally to get some time away from the game and time away from each other, time away from me uh, and time from for me away from the guys. Uh, sometimes that's great. You know, guys can shut their hockey brain off. It's, you know, I mean, it's it's. It's a high-stress environment uh, here. I mean, I know that you guys live and breathe Giants and, and the passion you you have with, you know, us winning and ultimately being in the league title race and, and winning it. And, you know, we carry that on our shoulders and, and that's, you know, very stressful. So, you know, it's important that guys get days away from the rink to, to relax, chill out, so that when they come back to the rink today – they're full of energy and they're, and you know, they're, they're, their batteries are recharged. So um, I like to give guys those types of mental breaks, almost more than the physical breaks. I think the mental breaks are almost more important because in this type of league where every game is, is super important from day one, um, it can get pretty stressful. Kiefer, big decision, obviously uh, bringing Besco back in, um, which I think surprised quite a few people. Uh, not because of his ability, obviously, but just because of the fact that he had obviously hung up the skates. Superb performance on on Saturday evening um, in that uh, fantastic victory that we, we've already talked about. 
what was your what was your thought process in, in bringing Basco back, but also kind of how have you found him settling back into the team? You're obviously happy with what you've seen so far from him and happy with the tandem with him and Jackson? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, you know, I start with, with, with Jackson. I mean, Jackson's play has been spectacular all year. Um, and he's been he's been great for us and and you know I think there was a a, a period of time in November or late October where um, we felt that we we weren't winning games um, as much as we would have liked to and we were getting out goalied in a couple of the games uh, not to say that our goalies were playing bad but we felt that there were some goalies that were were stealing games from us and um, and, you know, so that was where, you know, just from speaking with Besco and I, I speak regularly with him anyways, and he was intrigued about the opportunity to come back. And, you know, when that type of conversation happens, it's not something you say no to, um, you know, and Besco wanting to come back here and wanting another crack at, at winning another league title and, and challenge cups and uh, ultimately the playoffs that's eluded all of us. Um you know, it's not something you say no to at that point. And I think I thought through December, Jackson and Peyton Jones were, were very good for us. Uh, both got on a run of form. The team got on a run of form. Uh, and at that point, we'd already known behind the scenes that Besco was going to be returning. Um, and when that happened, obviously you have, now you have a three goalie problem. And I thought that was a great problem to have. Um, and we were going to work our way through it and see where where it ended up. Uh, obviously, um, Peyton wasn't a fan of that, and, and that changed things. Um, so, uh, you know, I thought that Jackson and Besco worked very well together last season, and I think they're going to work very well together again this season. And, you know, what you've seen on the weekend was was a great example of that. Obviously, Nabesco wasn't the only sort of new face, you know, inverted commas, that we brought in. There have been a, a few sort of through the door uh, and a number of changes, some more expected than others, I guess, with like Severson coming in. We had obviously Cooper coming in. When you and Steve sit down and you're looking through the season, and we, we constantly hear about how the, you know, the, the, um, the pool of players out there is quite shallow. You know, how, key, how difficult is it to find the right player to fit into what you're looking for? Yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, and there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things going on, especially mid-season when you're, you know, you're, you're worried about the next game or practices and everything. There's not, there's not a whole lot of time to really do a whole lot of digging and get players here immediately. Um, so, I mean, you, you do your reference checks and you try and find the, the guys that were, are going to fit in as much as possible. But ultimately, everybody's a risk, you know. And this, this league is is different, you know. It's not easy to come into this league and have an impact. It takes a, a certain type of player, a very competitive player, I think, to, to really have success in this league. I think um, just building off that and Paddy's question, um, always intrigued whenever you pull somebody out from, say, the league below in, in the form of Grant Cooper. I mean, who, is that Thorts? Is that you? Are you scouting around other leagues or are you just plucking out? You obviously see... Cooper flying high on the um, you know, the, the the scoring charts and all the rest. But do you or or Steve actually see what's going on in the in the leagues below and keep your eye on certain players? I think Grant Cooper's name in particular, you know, 
it it caught our attention from the start of the season when when Leeds signed him. I think he was a friendship four player with Clarkson, mm-hmm. and you know, just looking at his his resume, we thought that that was a a pretty good hockey player for the, for the NIHL to be signing. Yeah. Um, so we you know we paid attention to that throughout the year, but you ultimately you hope that you know the imports that we brought in that was going to be us for the year. So you just you're paying attention to it, but you don't think much of it. Um, then obviously the success that he had in the NIHL and from speaking with his agent, you know he wanted a chance at at this level uh, before the end of the season, and it just worked out that way that. Um, the way we thought that our lineup, we thought we needed a, a bit of a shot of new life, new energy into the group. And the fact that he was over here, uh, his references were great. Uh, and he's scoring right now. So he's, he's playing with a lot of confidence. Um, but it was more so than, than the fact he was scoring. You know, you look at him now and, and his references check out in a sense that uh, he's a complete player. I mean, he's he's very intelligent out there. He's, he's willing to block shots. He's willing to finish checks. He works hard. Uh, he goes to the dirty areas. He makes great plays on the wall out of your zone. Those were the little things that that convinced me. There's no risk in in taking Grant Cooper from the NIHL. You know, if he's willing to do those things for us and those things alone, whether he scores a goal or not, uh, he's going to help our team, and he certainly has done that. Going to uh, a couple of questions we got from people watching in live. One there from Stephen Mills, but more or less on the same sort of vein, I guess. He's asking about Ericsson and w- what he's going to be like when we get some momentum behind him. He sees he chases everything down. How do you feel he's uh, settling in? Yeah, I think I think he's going to be a very good player for us. I think you know he's one of those players that you bring in. He's a, a high scoring forward from from Norway, um, but he's played in many different types of leagues. Um, I think he's still trying to figure out this league and, and you can see signs of, of uh, a real explosion of offense coming from him, you know, but the games are certainly not getting any easier. Um, you know, the intensity level keeps getting higher and it's playoff style. And I think he's still trying to, to find his feet in all of that. Obviously this past weekend, I'm not sure if it was made clear or not, but on Friday night, he was, uh, he had the, you know, was sick for, uh, for that day, it's kind of a 24-hour thing where where he was okay the next day. So, you know, uh, that was the reason he was out there. Um, you know, so I, I still think that uh, that Hank is going to be a very important piece uh, to the puzzle here. And you know, like I said, it, it is a, a difficult league. It's it's much different than a lot of leagues in the sense that every single game is like a playoff atmosphere, especially at this time of the year. It doesn't matter if you're playing the top of the table or the bottom of the table. Everybody's playing for something very important, and you got coaches that are um, pretty pretty stressed out about that. So you know, they're they're on you pretty tight. So uh, you know, you're getting the best of everybody every night. One from Alan Brett. There's one we we talked about earlier on. Actually, just asking about the status on on Mark Garside, who who went out at the weekend pretty badly with uh, going up against the boards. Yeah, I sp- I spoke to Gary there today. I didn't I didn't speak to him over the last couple of days. I think everybody was just taking uh, some time to to you know cool off from the weekend. Um, but I spoke to Gary there earlier today, and I spoke to the physio yesterday. Um, and uh, he's looking like it'll be at least a few weeks, but it doesn't look like it's going to be you know anything long term, which is good. And, and once I suppose the one good thing is Mark's been here 
many times before uh, with the shoulder. So, you know, he knows how to rehab it, and, and I expect he'll be back in, as soon as he can be. We had um, Sam Rupp on last week, obviously just fresh off his selection for Team GB. Your involvement is also there, also there of course, as a, as a coach. And uh, not next weekend, but the weekend after. We, uh, we have the, the games that are sort of, there's no elite league games that weekend. But um, with regards to Rupper, what do you think he brings? Why do you think he uh, is such a selection for Team GB? Well, I think he, first of all, he's, he's a great player. I mean, he's a... He's got a little bit of offense. He's a big, strong guy. You know, he angles well. He shuts the plays down very fast. Um, he's got a great stick on him. He can make plays. Uh, he can be a defensive uh, force as well. So, I mean, it, it certainly he's, he touches a lot of areas that he'll cover for for GB. And I think he's another guy that's going to go in there and, and and help that team, especially from the back end. Um, and, you know, he's excited to get there and be a part of that. And, you know, I'm happy for him. I know that that was one of the things we spoke about when we signed him was, you know, do your time here and, and you'll get that opportunity. Uh, you know, he's still got to go out and, and earn it and make the team and, and, you know, become a part of it. And um, I'm confident that he will do that. Well, it's good. We appreciate your time. Before we let you go, obviously, the uh, the game against Guildford and Fife at home this weekend. Guildford in particular, obviously, we've we did well against them to to get past them for to reach that Challenge Cup final. But they are leading the league. They are getting the wins. Uh, how's preparation going for the game against them this weekend? Yeah, I mean, well, it's always fun to play a team like this when you've played them recently twice. So you you kind of have. A better understanding of, of what you're up against so that you know the preparation in practice will be a, a little bit of preparation in terms of what we're going to face uh against uh, you know guilford is a, a fast a very fast team that four checks very hard you know they don't turn a lot of pucks over they they put pucks in behind you and they're, they're trying to force turnovers in your zone so i mean we'll be practicing to, to make sure that we're able to withstand a bit of that but also i mean just worrying about uh, our own game and making them kind of uh, have to adapt to, to play against us. And, you know, I'm confident that if we're at the, the top of our game and we're executing, uh, we'll be a problem for them. Fantastic. Well, listen, Coach, we really appreciate your time. I know we've, we've kept you longer than we had than we anticipated, but we really appreciate you joining us. Good luck this weekend and uh, good luck with Team GB as well the weekend after. No problem, guys. Cheers. Cheers, Keith. Thank you. Did you hear I even said good luck with Team GB? Are you proud of me? Look, I'm being magnanimous. <coughs> I was going to jump in whenever you asked the GB question. I couldn't believe it. See? I'm, believe it. Just, I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm growing as a person, coach. I'm growing as a person. Yeah, I'm showing some Must sort of interest in Team GB. <laughs> but a big yes, a big thank you to, to Adam Keith for joining us tonight. Um, right. Normally what happens now is we'll do the player of the month and that we'd have four contenders and I'd go run through the four contenders and I'd ask you all, I'd ask you lads this, who you think should win it. But not this month. This is January. We have put out for the nominations for player of the month and we received no fewer than 129 replies of people given all sorts of names with regards to the Belfast Giants. So I thought we'd just debate a few and see if we could draw up at least two or three names to put into the mix and maybe top it up with a fourth to put out on Wednesday morning with regards to the public vote for the A View from the Bridge sponsored by Phonocab. I think, Davey, we'll just... I'll just write Scott Conway down immediately and we'll move on to the next one, yeah? 
it's pretty tricky because Scott Conway should should win this month. Um, Scott Conway has been great every month, and I know that we've discussed a few times that he's been left off the nominations. Almost like why isn't Collins in the in the in the nominations here? He's been you know he's top scored this month. He's been the best, the plus minus whatever. But I think he's he's nine plus nine, nine goals, nine assists through the month. I think he's something like plus eleven. He's blocking shots. He's making hits. He is the AVF TV player of the month. Mark my words, save yourself putting a poll up. But yes, number one in the <laughs> number one in the nominations can be Scott Conway for me for sure. Now I know that coach is going to come in with another name, and I fairly know that it's uh, Mark Cooper. Mark Cooper for me. Do you know what I was thinking about this earlier on today? Thing of coming on the show and all the rest, and thinking who, who does Mark Cooper remind me of from years gone by, and and, and all the rest, and. Always remember, and this is probably one for the old school. So if there's that, you know, people like Chris Revel and and, and those guys who've been around, <coughs> they'll probably appreciate a story like this. It's just saying, like a player that brings intangibles. Obviously, Cooper puts up points. He's point a game this season uh, and all the rest. He comes up with clutch goals. But like I always look at players who bring intangibles, and always think back to like literally. Was it season one or season two? When was Dave Matzos with us, Davey? Was that season Maddie, two? Matty was back. He was two. Matty playing the, in the playoff team? I thought he was in the playoff team. I yeah, so I, I think he was with us a couple of years. Anyway, Dave Matzos, I think it was second year. And, um, you know, I obviously got the backside ripped out of me and got the nickname, the coach from the players, all that type of stuff back in the day. And I always remember talking to West one night because it's so easy, isn't it? Whenever you look at a team, and you, you, you see the Paxton Shielder, he was a big, tough guy. He was the one that dropped the gloves. You know, you, you're Sean Behrens, you're Jason Ruffs. These guys, silky smooth skaters, par, par forwards. Just everything was very visible. So they instantly became your favourite players. Always remember saying that, um, chatting to West one night way back when. And they said, oh, Shielder this and Ruff that and Behrens this and so on and so forth. He said, yep, yep, hard to disagree, but there's one player... That for me, there's one player for me just constantly brings the intangibles. Fuck me, coach. What? <laughs> you could have just said Mark Cooper five minutes ago. Oh, Mark Cooper's dead, <laughs> boys, but I'm getting, I, I, I like him. Uh, and Whistle said to me, What's Dave Matzos play? And what Dave Matzos did for the Belfast Giants and those intangibles, night in, night out, it, that is Mark Cooper. I don't think we can. Sorry, I thought I thought you were nominating Dave Matzos. I thought that's a real. Well, he hasn't boys, played I was for since 2003. Of, I was get, 20 I was years since he more, played with. Boys, I was giving a bit of flavor behind <laughs> what who Mark Cooper reminded me of and the intangibles that he brings and does a little the right. fine details that a GM or a head coach is always looking for. If so, you could only have, sorry, lads, I didn't realize if, we're all of a sudden under time pressure. Like I never had time pressure back in the day. On this if show. you could only have. Matzos, Matzos, Mam, or Mark Cooper? Who would you have in your team, coach? Say that again, David. Sorry, I know we're You can only have one one of the two. You can have Dave, Matzos, Matzos, Mam, or you can have Mark Cooper. I'm so old school, but I'm going to go with Mark Cooper because he gives yeah. me the he gives me the offensive upside that maybe Maddie didn't bring. Mm, that's interesting. So we've got so we've got Mark Cooper and Scott Conway. I'm just looking at some of the names that are being thrown up here on Twitter, likes of of, of Morgan Patterson saying, you know, Jackson Whistle is thrown up there, Josh Roach is thrown up there, um, Sebastian Reserve says Mark Cooper, hundred percent, um, Lauren Elder, Ruop or Roach. Um, we need two more names, boys. We need two more names. Ben Lake, 
So I, b- before we go for a Laker, before we talk another forward, I would like the four nominations probably this month to have three forwards and a D-man. I always like to have a, a bit of balance in there because you can't win a team without defence. And it's fair to say Ben Lake has that superb two-way game. Scott Conway's two-way game is pretty solid. Mark Cooper is obviously very good in his own defensive zone. But we're talking D-men here. We're talking Will Collin, Gabe Bass, Sam Rupp, Josh yep. Roach, Matt Foley. Yep. Jeff Ball and Mark Barside, you know, that's your sort of decor. Um, Cully has probably been a little bit more offensive on the point side of thing. Gabe Bass, for me, controls the power play. He's that he's that transition D-man that you want to go back old school. He reminds me of a Shane Johnson, someone that can take the puck off his goaltender's stick, go behind his net, set it up, have a look up, and be the first one across the blue line. Mm-hmm. I like that from Gabe Bass. So if I'm going to nominate, and if Coach Will indulge me, because that, that makes the last nomination of the four very hard. I'm going to say defensive nominations have to be either Will Cullen or Gabe Bast. I'd probably go Gabe Bast for yeah, his like- offensive capabilities. I've been really, really impressed by Gabe Bast from the start of the season. And I know we, we were talking about, you know, I thought that what he brings from like we're not short of offensive defensemen let's be fair yeah and and we brought another one in in, in josh roach but but bast over the last last month and a half i think has really come into his own maybe it's because he's really noticeable with that blue stick but it's That's just gorgeous. that he seems it's a lovely stick that but it's but it's just i, I feel that he 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 is one of the real standouts and but what I also take from that is for the names you mentioned, every single one of them on the decor have been have been providing top level service to the Belfast Giants this season, coach. Yeah, no, I'm in I'm full agreement. I mentioned Gabe Bass earlier on in the uh, in the webcast or the podcast. So, yeah, for me, he would be uh, he would be a definite shoe-in from a defensive perspective. Always love the offensive defenseman. Did we give a good one there and? Um, you know, a blast from the past and the likes of Shane Johnson and, and what have you, someone's able to transition the puck really well. And that always gives a, a coach confidence as well um, as his team head, heads north. And whenever defensemen can come up with um, with vital points, it uh, always, always helps massively. So Gabe Bass for me would uh, would be a more than adequate um, addition. What puts him ahead of Rochi? Um, I, I think Roach has been fantastic. Um, and you look at you look at the feed you look at the feed for the goal for the, you look at the feed for the goal that Ben Lake scored. Everybody thought he was putting it directly on that. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. He'd seen Lake open and Lake redirects it in. Roach has been superb since he's come in. Coach, no, I, again, geez, I'm not liking this, boys. I'm agreeing way too much with you. I'm normally I'm normally the contrarian out of uh, out of everybody. I just think what puts what puts Bast ahead of Roach probably is the Bast players all three. Bast players five on five, Bast players par mm-hmm. play, he's key to par play, and Bast players penalty kill. Whereas Roach and Cullen wouldn't play to the same extent, anywhere near the same extent on the PK. So Bast out there, Bast, for example, Saturday night, 29 minutes time on ice. You know, he, he's out there for virtually half the game. Um, Cullen is probably in around 22, 23 minutes, so six, seven minutes more. You take 30 second shifts, he's out there for six, seven, eight shifts more during the game. Um, Roach, an absolutely great shite. He's been really, really strong since he came back. Bit like Besco took those two or three weeks to really get the wheels moving, but now he's another guy, and same as Gabe Bast. 
they, they come down right-handed shot and they'll come down on the left wing and they'll walk into the center ice and they've got that CNI puck. They can find they can find little gaps through goaltenders that other people can't. We don't have that destructive Derek Walser type slap shot from the blue line. But these guys, I think, like uh, give Bass the second only to Scott Conway in shots on goal this season. So there's there's another offensive upside. He will put Very the puck on that. Well, not, without the slap shot, but he will put the puck on net consistently. I think he was eight shots on goal on on Saturday night, some five shots on goal on Friday night. So, um, two hundred. I'm going to say two hundred and fifty shots or something this season from Gabe Bast. I was doing the shots earlier on. Um, so for me, he has that little offensive upside slightly more than the other guys. Plus, he plays in all three situations. So for me, if I get to have my, you can only have one of Bass, Colin. Or Roach, I'm going for Gabe Bass this month. So the four names I've written down from our discussion are Cons, Coops, Bast, Laker. We haven't discussed the last one yet. We haven't discussed. Well, I was I I I wrote Laker because I felt that that's where the conversation was going. So argue with me that it's no. There's no argument for me on that either. I think Ben Lake has been absolutely superb. Here's. We hear Stiz wax ly- lyrical about it every single night in the Ding. way of past. There you go, coach. And um, yeah, uh, I mean, Ben Ben Lake is an absolutely phenomenal hockey player. Just consistency again, what the coaches and GMs look for in players consistency, stepping up to the plate, even uh, there on Friday nights, um, you know, dropping the mitts, not something that we need or want Ben Lake to be doing, but again, just going that extra, extra mile for his team. Um, uh, in doing that goes a long way resonates with me resonates with i'm sure his teammates as well the guy is just a complete complete player and fully in favor of uh, endorsing ben lake go on david no, be contrary i'm not gonna me and me and coach have to be contrary um <laughs> every month if you think scott conway should be man of match or man or player of the month nomination then you've got to look at who he's been playing with and david goodwin has been outstanding this month as well great mm-hmm. numbers very very strong so, and there's Dave Magalie saying Laker or Hookie. Hook has been nice to have. Ben Lake has came up with a couple of big game-winning goals. He's had Malamat's performances. And make no mistake, a lot of that has been to do in January. A lot of that ice time was played with Mark Cooper. Mark Cooper, Ben Lake, and Lewis Hook playing on the line together. Coops maybe doesn't get the points that he deserves. And he goes in and around that blue paint. He sticks his bomb into the goalie's face there. And their shots rain in around him, and they maybe just don't get that wee touch. And the flick, Ben Lake's heel the other night, he gets the, the assist, and, and you know, and Coops doesn't. So there's something to be said for your line mates. So, like, for me, I'm happy to go with Ben Lake, but on the proviso, Ben Lake is representing Lewis Hook in this. And I think if Ben Lake won the player of the month, he'd be saying, This is for my line mates in January because look, Lake. Hook and Cooper in January played the most because Hank, when he came in, when Erickson came in, he played mostly with um, Conway and Goodwin. And and then obviously at the weekend, Mark Cooper stepped back up and Goodwin and Erickson was out on Friday, came in Saturday night, and I think on the third line with Ari and Gilbert. So I'm, I'm more than happy with Ben Lake. I think he's been, he was superb. We'll talk about his contribution and goal scoring on that one goal the other night. He does everything. Simon Kitchen talks about him all the time. If you could have a team of Ben Lakes, you wouldn't go far wrong in every championship, you know. So I'm okay with Ben Lake, but an honourable, and I'll see who else I've got down here, Hook and Goodwin. Yeah, honourable mentions to Hook and Goodwin. 
I can't argue with Hook as well. I think I said to you, I think that Hook has brought, since he's come back, there's there's another element to his game, an aggressive element to his game, a forechecking element to his game that has been fantastic to watch. His stick handling and, and, and bringing the puck into the zone has been brilliant. Going into the corner has been brilliant. And I think that, I, I feel, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel that Hook's been a different player since he's come back from Austria. It's been, it's been wonderful to watch, but we only have four names to put down. So the four names... I'm saying that are going forward to the January Player of the Month. The, the poll will open on Wednesday morning and will go on till Friday. Our, uh, Scott Conway, Mark Cooper, Gabe Bast, and Ben Lake. Big thanks to Phonacab for sponsoring that award. Right, we're going to rattle through um, a little bit of the news and a little bit of a few talking points from the news. We got to the scores on Friday night. The Guildford Flames took a 5-1 win uh, home from Glasgow. Uh, sorry, they brought it home from Glasgow before rolling into Saturday where they beat the Coventry Blaze 4-3 at the Spectrum and they've gone six points clear at the top of the standings uh, at that time and four points clear as of tonight. Uh, incidentally, the Guildford Flames have become the first team to qualify for the playoffs. I know everybody's shocked at that. Um, Elsewhere on Saturday, the Manchester Storm blanked the Nottingham Panthers 2-0 in the Drizzle Dome. Um, I had a conversation on Sunday night in my local pub with a neighbour and probably some of you know coaching Nick Crawley. Um, and we were talking about how surprising that was to get that. But the way that Nottingham are playing, something I'm going to come back to, um, I guess it, it can't be that surprising. Um, the Cardiff Devils give the five flyers an absolute slipper, uh, winning 7-1 in Wales. Um, and on Sunday, the clan travelled to Nottingham and came away with a memorable 2-1 win. The Devils travelled back up to Dundee, uh, defeating the Stars 5-4, and the Flyers took in the shootout uh, back home against the Storm. But uh, the, the, that bounced back with a 5-4 win. Speaking of the Flyers, in the other semi-final, which we mentioned in the first leg last Wednesday, Dudiem's side scored a 2-1 win over the Sheffield Steelers ahead of weekend action. The second leg isn't until the 15th of February. Um, because this is the Challenge Cup and things have to go on and on and on and on. So we won't know for another two weeks before we um, before we know who we're going to play in that final. Um, I'm going to bring it back to the Nottingham Panthers before we move on, gentlemen. They have, uh, coach, they have two wins in the last 10 games. Um, it ain't good. It's brilliant. It's uh, Now, obviously, we're all, we're all friends of Pash. You're a particularly close friend of Pash. Difficult times on lower parliament street yeah yeah it, it really has been and i'm sure pash will come on onto the show at some stage and banned <laughs> i know after last time he ghosted you didn't he um but yeah um they, they've been very very poor the recruitment was very very average um you know i'm certainly not speaking for i obviously speak to him on a on a pretty much daily basis still to this day and and all the rest so i certainly won't um certainly not speaking on his behalf in any way but i think it's patently obvious where you look at that squad right from the get-go um of this season where there were just massive missing chunks and um you know it's not for me to kind of apportion blame or or whatever but it's go a, on it's a yeah well i, I, I do say that <laughs> what are you on here for if you're not going to do that? I know, I know, I know. I, I think there's a, I suppose, fingers to be pointed at, you know, everybody, I suppose. But 
probably the previous coach in, in terms of the recruitment, quite a quite a forthright character and wanted to recruit his team and um and all the rest. But as I say, that that that's for one for Pash to kind of talk to the Panthers fan base or maybe come on this show and discuss a bit more. But they've been very, very poor, very inept. Um Pash is literally tearing his hair out about it, uh, working incredibly hard behind the scenes to try and rectify some of those problems, making sure that they get into the playoffs, uh, which is a shocking thing to, to, to say, but they're cast adrift there in sixth place and they're closer obviously to the bottom than they are to the, the, the fifth place. Uh, there's quite a there's quite a gap there. And uh, for a club the size of Nottingham and for their kind of history and, and all the rest. And, you know, I'm sure Pash would be honest as well for, you know, I... I think this notion that seems to permeate around the elite league that Nottingham is a is a low budget team is absolute nonsense. It's nonsense, um, isn't it? it? It's just nonsense and just yeah. Again, not for me to talk. And I've I genuinely, I have no idea what money they spend on a weekly basis. That is a god's honest truth. Um, but it, it's it, it's not a small budget team, or it's you know for me it would certainly be up there with you know the the the, the big boys in in the elite league. That said. I know for a fact from what Pash has said, crowds amazingly are up this year compared to what they were they were last year, which again is testament to ho- Nottingham is a great hockey city, always has had really good support, but he knows as well as anybody that for next season, and I know the work that he has putting in already ahead of next season with 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 recruitment and, and numerous other things behind the scenes, um, he knows that it is a critical year. Um, Critical for the next few months that they, they make a real push, get the playoffs, try and create something, Harry carry in the playoffs, get to the final four, do something special, whatever. I just, I personally, again, I just don't don't see that team having the, the, the ability to do so. So I would imagine that all eyes will be firmly focused on next season. Then David, high, just high, before, just before you come in with a point, David, just for, just for, just for my own. I'm going um, to get grilled here now, but not no, just no, for no, 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 just for, no, no. just for my own titillation. I'm going to read you no names on this, but I'm going to read you a couple of t- tweets that I was reading earlier on. Uh, pathetic. So glad I didn't purchase the season ticket. In an ideal world, season ticket holders this season should get fifty percent off next season after putting up with this. Must be disheartened walking out of that arena. Black needs to do the right thing and sell. Three exclamation marks. And then I'm done. Over 20 years, a season ticket holder, but enough is enough. Full credit to Omar and the new social media team who have massively changed the interactions of the fans, but the on-ice performances are exhausting to watch. Black needs to go. This idea that Neil Black needs to go is nonsense. Complete and utter nonsense. This is one of these things of be careful what you wish for. Because if the idea that Neil Black selling up is going to be the solving the Nottingham Panthers problems is for the birds for the birds, I don't think without Neil Black, I I doubt there'd be a Nottingham Panthers. David, listen, listen, Paddy. I um, I, as you mentioned earlier on, obviously when I was GM in Manchester for a couple of years, I sat in those board meetings, and I would be the first and have been that person that has said the Neil over the last lot of years, and I saw firsthand. He can be quite abrasive at board meetings, and he can get under, he can ruffle feathers, and and so on and so forth, and he he, he can just be, he can be that cantankerous individual on occasions but Neil Black uh, trust me on this the level of engagement that he has with his hockey clubs is is unbelievable he cares as much as anybody and he puts money if 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 he if if you go to him as a general manager or a coach and he's done this all over the year I'm not just talking about recently with Pash or whatever Neil Black will will put put his money where his mouth is 
And for me, and I totally agree with you, Patty, be careful what you wish for because we've seen it over the years. We've been around the block for 20 plus years following the Belfast Giants, follow the sport and all the rest. We have seen charlatans as owners and, uh, you know, certain clubs, you know, that you look at, look at Sheffield over the years, look at Sheffield now compared to what we saw at various different stages where you're going into the Sheffield. Yeah, 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 all that absolute nonsense. 2,000 people in a 9,000. It was a vacuous um, arena that just had no atmosphere, nothing. Couldn't get bums on all the rest. I know it. It may well be, but it's got plenty of bombs. It's got average of six and a half, seven thousand, uh, which is the highest in the in the elite league. And so they, they've done a fantastic job. So it just shows you again with stable ownership and investing and doing the right things. And Nottingham have a, an incredible loyal fan base. But yeah, there's a there's things that need to be rectified there. But NFNF boys. FNF. Sorry, Davey, I interrupted you when you were going to come in. It wasn't really a, a question directed at you as you coach as a Nottingham Panthers board member. It was more directed sort of like, <laughs> you know, um, Wileski has obviously been announced. Or, well, I don't know whether he's been announced as leaving, but it's on on Twitter there today that he's he's left to go to Germany. Um, seen it on Twitter there before it came on air. Whether it's true, whether it's not, I don't know, but it's on Twitter. Um, and if he is off, the sunnier climbs or colder climbs as it'll be now. That that's actually for them one of their better D men leaving, and they've been a bit funny, coach. To be quite, they've, they've challenged us at times this season. They haven't been that bad, so they're like they're a bit of a roller coaster team. You're not always sure what you're going to get with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I look at players like you know Mike Hammond there, and um, they, they've got they've got the right ingredients. Um, but it's just not, it's just not turning into um into a proper meal whatsoever. Um, it's you know you look at Mike Hammond. I saw him in in Manchester. Saw him in Glasgow. You see him with GB. Um, and just the overall kind of point production from someone like that, who I'm sure, I have no doubt. I'm, again, no idea on individual players and all the rest. But I dare say he's one of their higher paid players. He's maybe their Scott Conway um and what have you, or their Cole Sanford. You know the lack of point production. I know he's maybe a bit more of a disher as opposed to you know ripping pucks top shelf. But I, I just think there's there's numerous issues there, and um, I have no doubt that Omar will, will be working on it from this point on, making sure that things are rectified ahead of next season. So time will tell. Let's go up the um. Let's let's go up the M one. Um, you mentioned it earlier on, Coach. This article that appeared in the Sheffield Star today. Uh, Bob Westerdale talking about chatty had it with, with Tony Smith, where Tony Smith has called his coaches together to discuss recent losses. Um, he needed to quote. He needed some answers because fans are wanting some answers over why we are dropping points along the way. Everybody's accountable in this business, and we have. Uh, we have come off the plan. Um, he also states that, you know, we're second in the corner, second to the puck. We didn't, this is against Belfast. We were second to the corner, second to the puck. We didn't have uh, the fighting spirit, whereas the following night, it was an old-fashioned game of hockey. But most notably, he then starts to talk about the fans, and Smith said that we're, quote, one or two fans who should give their heads a wobble after remarks on social media. Post, <laughs> posting Aaron Fox out is a ridiculous statement. You always get some idiots we want to push against the tide, but overall, I'm not disappointed with where the club is. David Quinn, do you want to comment? They've, they've sacked coaches that won the league, and mm-hmm. Aaron yes. Fox has, has just turned what? Two, did you say how many games in 10 of the one? No, it was uh, it was two and 10. Was, uh, was, the was Nottingham. Panthers. 
Panthers, but anyway, the Steelers have been on a bit of a skid as well, and they're obviously struggling for scoring at times as well. And a lot of their, a lot of their top scoring guys have have one goal in ten, two goals in ten, three goals in ten. This kind of thing, I think it says through that statement about it. Um, look, fans pay their money and and are allowed their opinion. I, I think you need to be very careful as an organization just how hard you go back to the fans and coach will know better because he's been a GM and he's been involved in that side of it. And he's very media savvy and probably advising what, what would be the best thing to do there. You can't, you can't type your emotions because that's, you know, telling fans to give their head a wobble. You're then like, who are you telling me to give my head a wobble? I paid 21 quid to come and watch this, you know? So I paid a whole lot of money to get to Belfast. I paid a whole lot of money for tickets. I paid, you know, yeah, but do I do I utter, do I utter the phrase "you want to wind your neck in"? I think that the the the, the, the idea that, that also that com- and as but that comment came back to bite Robert. I think a lot of people still remember that. Yeah, I think you just have to be very very careful of what because people in general are very very sensitive and very 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 sensitive. Actually, you can't say things to people, and it's maybe the right thing to say because cool your slow your rules, Sheffield. You're right at the top of the rankings. You just you've got a very good team. Probably for me, they're the best team I've seen. I think Sheffield, alongside ourselves, are the best. Now, Cardiff are going really well, and I've seen things from Cardiff I really like. Guildford have been great, and I've questioned their depth all season long. Even though they carry that extra import, I still think that they're top six heavy, their bottom six light. So I think that I, I just genuinely think whether it's going to be us or somebody else will catch the Guildford Flames. Could be proved wrong. But I just think Sheffield have got everything. They've got goal 10, they've got strong D, they've got forwards that can score on every line. For fans to be throwing the baby out with a bathwater in January when they're right there, we talk about getting through Christmas and being in the race. They are right in the title race. And for people that, you know, cracking up, I just think from Tony Smith's perspective, not for me to tell Tony Smith how to run his business, but telling fans what to do isn't a great idea. Yeah. How much pressure? How, how much pressure, coach, is Aaron Fox under in all of this? Because obviously, one Challenge Cup to his name in the in the in the abandoned season. Um, but with regards to to you know to, to well, the league t- league challenges, they are they are in the mix at the moment. But they've they've not been head and shoulders above every other team, which is what I guess a lot of people expected from Aaron Fox. The AH, this is this team is as good as any AHL team. Yeah, the, listen. Tony and the Sheffield Steelers have historically, as we discussed earlier on, they're not shy in making moves. So he will be feeling the pressure. I do know that he is highly regarded within the club and, and around the league with other um, GMs or officials and coaches and so on and so forth. Well respected. Very good re- very good recruiter. Um, um, would, would there maybe be a question mark over his coaching ability? Potentially. Um but Tony Smith will not be shy making making changes. It really depends, I suppose, as you go down the go down the season, how it finishes, what type of momentum, do, you know, do they fall off a cliff, do they finish in fourth, um, and then get knocked out at the I don't know, make the final four and get knocked out of the semi-final stage, and all of a sudden it's another bad season for the Sheffield Steelers and fans are in uproar and all the rest. Going back to your previous point around. Um, you know, again, I think it's very Sheffield, isn't it? And Simsy always said it, said it publicly, privately. He thinks that ice hockey is a daily star sport, and I mean that, and I think he means that as in you got a tabloid sport, not a broadsheet yeah, sport. Yeah, you got to create. People are only interested if you if you've got something. I don't know. 
something bad happens or you've got something like uh, aggressive to say or, or like a real headline and like boys I think we all know Bob as well but I got on I've met Bob on multiple occasions he's a he's a he's a great character but he loves he loves a headline and you know if if I'd have been advising on that one I'd have probably been saying to Tony just just give it three or four days let's let's get up for air after after the weekend let's have a bit of thought and put a bit of thought into it let's speak to the coach and and all the rest see if there's any adjustments that can or need to be made between now and I'm not even sure when the deadline is or whatever for making changes or if they still have the ability to do so but you know just just be considered in, in what you go out but see the second you start you know making references to fans and and coming off with certain terminologies of them you're on that absolute hiding enough and that's just an absolute no-no but you don't want to create that added noise there, there's already noise on social media just kind of I would be a bit more keep your Keep your counsel internally if you're talking about the coach and players been under pressure and so have those conversations inside and then just manipulate your words slightly better for what you project out there into the public forum is more it's more positive but also people can read between the lines and saying i get what tony means there there is a pressure on the players and there is an expectation from ownership and so on and so forth it's just a i don't know play on words for want of a better term it is interesting and see if it has any effect in Sheffield. One more item of news before we wrap up and move on. Look, have a quick look ahead to the games this weekend. Congratulations to Mark Richardson, becoming only the third player in Elite League history to play a thousand games. He reached the landmark during Sunday's game against uh, for the Cardiff against the Dundee Stars up in Scotland. A point for either of the other two players. Well, who are the only other two players to have reached a thousand games? Oh, Jonathan Weaver. Phillips. No, Jonathan Phillips, yes. Jonathan Weaver, no. Um, give me the team. Uh, Nottingham, Cardiff. Uh, Matthew, Nottingham Matthew. and then Cardiff. And then uh, Nottingham Matthew again, Myers. then Cardiff Matthew, again. Matthew Myers. It was, it was quite recently Myers. too, wasn't it? Sorry? It was quite recently too. Watch your head there. I think so. I thought he was carrying a stick quite high there. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he plays for Cardiff under Todd Kelman will never, will never, never uh, surprise yeah, me anymore. Never. never be forgiven for that. I can't never understand, but you know, it's not my bake. I got whacked. So. For those for those who don't know, he um he broke, almost killed him. <laughs> broke Todd Kelman's nose with a high stick, and uh, now he's one of the Kelman's employees. Memory as well. I remember that like it was yesterday. They made the stitches as I well. will find a I will find a picture where we're chatting here. It was horrific. It was more mm-hmm. lip than nose, Paddy. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Was it more lip? Was it very, that? Very like, bad. That was nose. But yes, no, congratulations to Mark Richardson. Thousand games under the belt in the Elite League. Right, where are we? And you, do you know what? When I, when I, when I said I was going and, and the coaches on the podcast, um, Joanna said to me, then I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, this, won't be, this won't be done before half 10. And it, look at that, it's half 10. Um, the Belfast Giants are back in Elite League competition this weekend. Both games are at home before a little bit of an international break that takes place the week after. Um, Guildford Flames are back at the SSE uh, looking for revenge, having been knocked out of the Challenge Cup at the semi-final stage, Saturday at 7pm and against the Five Flyers at home, Sunday at 4pm. You, Coach, you know as well as I that Davey hits, hits this part of the show, so I'm going to come to you. Yeah, we heard from Adam Keefe earlier on and you know we're, we've played them twice in, in recent succession. We got them again. They are the four-point uh, league leaders. Um this is a big game. It's a four-point game in many ways. I suppose you could you could dress it up as as well. I mean, 
I, I, I've said it from their from their inception into into the elite league. Maybe bar last season, I've enjoyed always enjoyed watching Guildford. I think they're fantastically um, well constructed team uh, and they play. They're sometimes a bit loosey goosey, which I think can if you've got a really good coach up against, so like uh, and Paul Dixon, I think is a is a very good coach. But um, I think at times they're very loosey goosey. Um, but that's exciting to watch. I think, as I said earlier on, I think the Giants are now, Adam and Steve have made their kind of tweaks to the squad. There's been a bit of forward momentum been built up here. We're starting to head down that kind of stretch. Once you start getting into February and all the rest, that's the real start of the of the, of the business end. And I almost see like the Giants, and maybe there's more of a recent thing, um, but I almost see the Giants akin, like in football terms, to say like a city, they almost like flick it in the gear in that latter yeah. part of the season. And I think, you know, from what I've seen so far this season, Belfast Giants are as good as anything else in the in the elite league. And, you know, time will tell whether, you know, the, the, the changes that have been made and, and so on and so forth, whether they they were the right decisions. But I think the Belfast Giants can easily go on the march here and, and pick up another elite league trophy. Davey, we you had a conversation with uh, with Paul Dixon, Scott Cameron there, saying that Digger is doing a stellar job this season. But he, he is, uh, and we've said we've asked the question more than once. You know, are Guildford the real deal? And uh, and we've we've said all along, yes, because stats don't lie, and they're they're top of the league, and they've got they've got guys mm-hmm. that are right up there in terms mm-hmm. of score, in terms of scoring. You know, and we've talked about some of their outstanding players and Tedesco, Tate, O'Connor. You, you respect these teams more now because the names of their players now roll off the tongue. You know, if, if I said to yep. you who who played for the Hull Stingrays in 2007, you could name one of them or, you know. Carlos on. Yeah, who played for Yeah, who played for the, you know. who Silverthorne. You'll, you'll, you'll rack your brain and you'll get one or two. But what I'm saying is Great. if you go into it now, don't try and be you know what my point is I'm making. The team's down at the lower end of the league. When you're not really engaged in like commentary or doing anything like that, you, their names don't naturally rhyme off a tongue where now you've got Tate and Tedesco and McAdam and Nets. You're, you're paying yeah. attention to their stats. You're paying attention to what they're doing game on game. You're looking more in depth at what did he do mm-hmm. this week? Did he have points this week? Did he not? What's the form like on their top line? What's their second line doing? And you know, and obviously the coaching staff will be doing all that. So yes, I do think I've I've said it all season long and I said it earlier in the show, so I'm not repeating ad nauseum, but I just don't know if their depth's enough there. They haven't had Sheffield Steelers are going through their bit of a funk mm-hmm. at the minute. The Belfast Giants went through a period, Halloween or thereabouts, since Adam Keith talked about it as well, where we maybe weren't getting the scoring that we needed and we were coming mm-hmm. up short in games and you're looking at your goalies to, 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 to steal you a game and it wasn't happening for us. Goal 10 was good, but they weren't stealing us games. And now goalies are stealing us games. Like Besco, on, I think the XG on the, on the, on the Steelers game was it was like 5-3 and it ended 0-0. You know, so both goalies have stolen their the points. Um, you know, can we consi- can they consistently do that? They're gotta come there. There doesn't have to be a stage where they fall apart because look at the Paul 80 season for the Giants. Didn't get any injuries. The they ran away with the league. They just kept on winning, kept on winning. So Friday night is massive. Absolutely ma- four pointer as coaches talked about it. And they don't want to run through all the cliches, but this is just huge now. We're at mm-hmm. that point of the season where you can't lose. Yeah, yeah. It, it becomes high pressure every game. You can, but you can't. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, it's playoff hockey. Playoff hockey yeah, here until yeah. the end of the season. And and uh, what is beneficial to the Giants is most of their games are at home coming mm-hmm. in in this stretch mm-hmm. as they tend to be at this sort of the year, this time of the year. Sorry. Um, yeah, so that game is Saturday, 7 p.m. Uh, Guildford Flames at home. And then on Sunday, 4 p.m., five flyers at home. Get yourself down to that. And if you can't, then join uh, Mr. Kitchen on Belfast Giants. TV. Um, I'll remove any other business in a second, but you've just shared those with me. Coming back to that point on Todd Kellerman, yeah, it was a slip. I always thought it was his nose. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe the uh, maybe it's been that much of a a, a gap. It see uh, see that lip the following oh. day and for the for Sorry. the next week, it was absolutely horrendous. Horrendous. Blue. He, he dealt. He dealt with it well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he called calls for ban. for ban on wild pamphlet. <laughs> one of his employees now. Yeah. Well, well, was one of, one of was, his employees. Yeah, was yeah. one of his employees. But uh, but yeah, there you go. I always, I always thought it was his nose. Anyway, uh, any other business, boys? I'm just going to have a quick start with this one and wish well to um, Dahi McGowan, uh, Marty McGowan, and, and Seth McGowan because the, obviously what's happened in the last number of weeks with regards to the situation of the opt-out and the Dahi's law isn't ideal, isn't great for anybody. We've been putting a few bits and pieces on on Twitter and likes, and I know they were trying to raise a bit of money. Tomorrow, they sit down with the Secretary of State to have a conversation about it. I see that um, there was a post about it. It's five years since they discovered that the Dahi would need a transplant heart. And um, and now five years on, they're going to have a chat with the Secretary of State. We want to wish them well. Um, Dahi's a great kid, absolutely great kid. He, he he pulls the community together with his enthusiasm, his his energy, and, and just just right. people just outright love him. Uh, and we all see what what Dahi's law would bring to to the community. And um, I just want to I just want to wish him well, uh, and hopefully we get the outcome that we want from it. Um, gentlemen, any any other business? No, we just echo that. Um, obviously, the, the, this whole donor thing, you know, if, if people can sign up to the donor register, I understand it's hard for, for every good news story that someone needs a heart. Unfortunately, someone else has to give their heart and, that, and yes. that's very difficult to, for, for families to deal with as well. So, you know, if you're of that mind that you, you're in a position to, to think about it, you know, have a good think about it, have a chat with your family about it. You know, it's not for me to say whether whether you should or you shouldn't, but definitely talk about it, get the conversation going. And if nothing else, um, young Dahi has uh, got the conversation going. Here, 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 here. Totally agree with the both of you. Um, no real AOB for me, other than you mentioned there, which says on the webcast, have to say, boys, Andrew Dixon is absolutely brilliant, isn't he? Perfect. Like, he, it's he, perfect, man. And you know why? Because he's so authentic. He's just he's just saying what, what he thinks. What a goal! What a goal! <laughs> the Balamoni accent is just absolutely mm. tops it all off. But I, I genuinely think he's brilliant. The insight that he gives, not just to the listener about the players, but the systems and certain plays on the ice and so on and so forth. I find him super, super insightful. I really enjoy, I'm obviously across the pond, like, like you two boys as well, so tuning in on webcasts and, and all the rest. And Listen, sometimes says brings the players on board, and I think the players are sometimes nervous because they maybe haven't done it before and they're they don't know what to say and so on. So some of the players over the years have been great that says has had, but see when I hear Dicko was on with them, absolutely superb. Would you believe that Dicko Dicko would be he thinks he's rubbish. Dicko would be on that far more often if he had just a wee bit more confidence. And, and we're I'm 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 not doing it out of anything other than. Belief in him. I'll tell him every time. Like, You're brilliant on this, mate. 
and it's not the pompous knowledge, it's not for anything, it's just to tell him, remind him. Both really, really good. Is, is, is insightfulness as a player, coach, is, is what gets me. He sees things and he sees players, and there maybe be a face off, and he goes, Oh, there's a set play coming here. That's you know, or there's been a play, and he go, Yeah, that's that's a training ground move kind of thing, you know. And he sees stuff, and he's funny. He's talking about one the other night about um, going the overtime, beating the Steelers in overtime. He says, But I, again, I, I conceded in like the 59th minute to put it the overtime. <laughs> so, you know, it's little things. He's very self effacing, he's very infectious. You could listen to him all night. Well, from from my point of view as well, Jensen, I, I just uh, my two pence worth, and I think that I agree with you. I think Dicko's excellent, but likewise, Gareth Martin is bringing so mm, much brilliant. into it now. Martin, he's coming, he, he's he's come into it now, he, and he's growing into it. I think very much so, Joe, coming back into the game, and and we had we were delighted to have him on here a, a few weeks ago, and it's great to hear those old stories. But you, what what I like about it, uh, uh, the utmost is um, local voices. Hearing, hearing Sis, hearing Gareth Martin, hearing Deco, hearing local voices talk about ice hockey with such authority, with such ability. David McGimsey, when he's on there as well. There was a guy <laughs> who used to commentate on there. What was his name? Absolutely. Anyway, awesome. can't remember his name. Oh, but the, oh uh, you did. Good evening, hockey Good fans. evening, hockey and, you know, you know, with all love and affection, the the, the Murph and you know the Aaron Murphy, we we love what he is. We love him on this show. He's one yeah. of the good guys. And he, but he might be the first to say, you know, to have the Belfast Giants commentated on by local voices he, he's, he's second to none for us. And and such voices with such experience and authority in the game. And yes, Simon's not everybody's cup of tea. You just had to look at Twitter this weekend to see the mixture of people saying, I enjoy it, and people saying, I have to watch this on mute because he's always shouting. He's a passionate person. Leave the man alone. Yeah, but he's, he, the, the, the stuff that he gets, because sometimes when I'm buying, I have, I've started to kind of say, you crack on because I don't see... I don't see it. I, I've watched the vast majority of games, but I don't feel like uh, qualified enough to be sat there and jumping in on a on a webcast. And whenever I am back home, he often asks me and, and all the rest, and I've turned down the last kind of few times. But I've seen over the years, whenever I have gone back for the odd weekend, you know the flack that the big man gets. You're the most biased commentator in the league, and all the rest. I find, I, but I don't find him biased in any way. I think I, he calls. No, he can't. Can't. We can all. I, I was the king of it as well. I could bring the emotion and uh, and all the rest to it. The big man's as fair as it come. Because when, what happens is when, especially if a team, especially the Belfast Giants are winning, you know that gets if you're if you're watching it, and obviously the majority of his viewers are opposition fans. Which on the more majority of your opposition fans, and therefore if the Giants are winning, your backs up. So if mm -hmm. you're hearing something that the Giants are brilliant because they're winning, your back's up and you're like going, he's biased, he's biased against us. I totally agree. I think that more often than not, you can hear him call it again. Yes, I think there was a bit of an issue this week of you know giving assists to referees, which was a bit of a touchy one, a bit, of, a bit entertaining nonetheless. But I think Says is fair. I think yeah. he's passionate. He knows what he's yep. talking about. Play, You know as well as anybody, Coach, play-by-play -play calls are not easy. They hard. are difficult. As 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 hard as it comes, it it honestly is because you're you're watching everything, but you're also trying to think ahead and you're trying to keep the conversation. And you rely very heavily on your um, you you rely very heavily on your um, sidekicks to be kind of joined in with you. Thanks for that, David. Um, you rely on your sidekicks <laughs> to be so you need a you need a good you need a good side man or woman there to be kind of keeping the conversation flowing and all the rest. Play by play is very very difficult. But you know, excellent to see. We're going to wrap it up, Davey. Don't worry. A little WhatsApp of Davey telling us it's one hour and 45 minutes. But tell us this, Davey, have you enjoyed it? 
I'd screw it to have coach back. I could do this. <laughs> I'm not going to say I could do it every day, but I, I love having him on. It's that is old times, eh? Good. Good old times. Thanks for coming back on, coach. We really appreciate it. And uh, how's the little one, by the way? Little one's doing very well, mate. Yeah, little one's doing very well. It's just over six months now, so settled yeah. into the world superbly well. And Christy settled into motherhood absolutely superbly well as well. So no, all's 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 good. Remarkable to think when you spend half your time in North America. So you know it's uh, it's, uh, it's it's been a, it's been very busy kind of last kind of two three months. Um, I've been in the states three or four times, I think, in the last and in the last few months. It's listen, it's a great perk of the job and all the rest. Uh, got to take in some NHL as well whilst working. So I'll take in the uh, took in the Florida Panthers against New York Rangers, which the Panthers won. That was early December. Then we're right. We saw uh, we're in Colorado. Um, saw the Avalanche against the Rangers. And the Rangers won that one. It was a great game. So Kale McCarr, what a player Kale McCarr is, boys. Unbelievable. To yeah. watch him live is you talk about like a defenseman transition in the puck, the speed, the skill, everything, my goodness. And then we're out in Miami. Didn't see any hockey in Miami, but then we're in Boston and we saw the Bruins against the Kraken. Um and the Kraken beat the beat the Bruins. The Bruins were awful that night, actually, but what an arena TD Gardens is, eh? I don't know if you've ever if you've ever okay. been. That's one of one of the best arenas out there. Robert Fitzpatrick, Robert's actually, as I said earlier on, he's over seeing me tomorrow um for, for, for the day. And um he just eulogized about the the T D Gardens in Boston and um everything that I saw backed that up as well. So it's been it's been great get taken in some hockey whilst whilst away with work. So it's been a busy period. That's that's my travels done for the next couple of months anyway <laughs> and uh, did you did you have a conversation with somebody who's actually played in belfast maybe he was outshone by stephen murphy one day that's correct yeah and uh you're talking about sean thornton yeah no oh, don't talk, i'm talking about took a rask to be honest with you oh of course took a rask of course of course yes so uh yeah in boston and um so yeah i was away i was away with work and and uh we we're in um Kind of the owner's box there and, and what have you in, in in boston which was a great experience and what have you because that's that's where that's where me and davy go over that's where we hang out isn't it david uh, well it's uh, work related they weren't letting me in <laughs> in off the street it was, uh, it was all work related and um yeah i think they they picked up what am i looking at here <laughs> <laughs> sorry mate yeah uh, and they, they, they knew that i was a big um Big hockey fan and uh, the, the Boston Bruins and the Belfast Giants connection, all the rest. So just stood there and all of a sudden tapping the shoulder and it was took a rask. So he was, do you know what, boys? Yeah, and that's what I love about the whole hockey player element. You, all of our own views and opinions, you know, Premier League footballers or American footballers and so on and so forth. Hockey players stood talking to took a rask for 45, 50 minutes about everything, talking about his trip to Belfast with the Bruins, how that was a catalyst for them and the success that they had and so on and so forth talking about the pubs that they visited while they were here in belfast and their trip on i think they went on to prague thereafter and he just said that the start of that whole season began in belfast and, and so it was great and then bumped into john thornton looked after me very well in florida at the, at the start of december and was obviously talking about the trip to belfast and his family connections to northern ireland and so on and so forth. So he's now funny. He sent me a text about a week ago asking me could I sort out a round of golf at Royal County Down in Royal Port Rush for him and his buddies coming over in June. So it's like, yeah, 
Yeah, he, he scratched my back, so I've got to try and scratch his. Can, 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 can you organize that, David? Do you want to run a golf? <laughs> Why, for, for the buddies? Aye. 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 It sounds like we're a county. Yes, they're all made all that stuff, boys. I'm not a golfer. Not I'm a sure Sean, I wonder will Sean wear his David McGemsey game worn to the World Cup rush? I passed on. I passed on the stuff that you uh, you kindly sent me across, and Laura, I think maybe sent it. I can't remember now, but dropped all the stuff off Belfast Giants related, which he was very appreciative of as well. So, yes. yeah, it's been a busy kind of few months, man. Yeah, well, Medler, sounds like you're having sounds like you're having a wheel of a time, but we appreciate you taking time coming back on and joining us. We've enjoyed having you on, Davey. As always, thanks for your time, and uh, if you get uh, get that banana in you. You're uh, obviously uh, flagging. Now you're looking. You're looking more. You're looking well. To be honest, you're looking. You're looking Thanks better. very much, mate. Thank you. <laughs> the um, the games we said this weekend: Belfast Giants versus Guildford Flames, Saturday 7 p.m. at the SSC Arena, and then on Sunday at 4 p.m. with the visit of the Fife Flyers. Get yourself down to those games, and if you can't, Giants TV is where you'll get the uh, where you'll get that coverage with Mister Kitchen, gentlemen. A pleasure as always. Thanks, Paddy. Thanks, uh, you get us at AVFTB on Twitter, on Facebook, on kingdomofthegiants.com and all the usual sort of places. Download the podcast, find us on YouTube, Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, and we'll, Wherever you are this weekend, we hope you enjoy your hockey. We'll catch you here next time on A View from the Bridge. Podcast Network.